UX Podcast, Episode 37. Listening to UX Podcast brought to you from Stockholm, Sweden. For people passionate about balancing business, technology, and users within the realm of digital media. Helping you break down silos, here are your hosts, James Royal Lawson and Per Axboom. Hello and welcome. And um, well, this is episode 37 of UX Podcast. Right. Um, I'm James Royal Lawson. And I'm Per Axboom. And we've got we, a great show today, I think. We've got a great show every time, Paj. Ah, you think like that. Yeah. <laughs> Someone's going to live the dream. Mm. So it's uh, actually late evening this time. Uh, and uh, in a few moments, we're going to be... Here in, here in Sweden. It's, it's late evening here in Sweden. Exactly. And we're a Stockholm-based uh, podcast. Yeah. Mm. Uh. <laughs> time is only irrelevant for most of our listeners they can listen to it whenever it? they like <laughs> no, but it's interesting because we, we're, we're going across time zones and this time I think we got it right I hope so yeah, at least I, I hope we've got it right, mm. we'll find out in a minute But um, and also we're, we're doing this across Skype so mm. uh, me and Per for once are not in the same place nope. um, we're, we're detached from each other um, and we'll be bringing in um, Brett King um, shortly yeah um, we we'll talk a bit about um, banking. Mm. Um, I think he's a banking. familiar name to to a lot of people, but uh, uh, yeah, I guess I guess mm. he's going to be quite a familiar mm. um, name to um, people in the well, in UX and and um, digital. Mm. Um, if you don't know him, then he's the, the author of um, Banking um, Two Point Zero and Banking Three Point Zero. Mm. Um, he's a, oh, a well, actually, you can we will find out more from um, Brett himself, I reckon. Yeah. Let's just call him up. Go on then, press some buttons. Yep, here we go. Hello. Hello, Brett. This is Pat. How are you? I'm fine. Hi, Brett. And Hi, Brett. This is Jim. James is with me as well. Hey, guys. Where are you sitting I'm at? Actually, I'm actually in a, in a restaurant in Santa Monica, so I'm not going to do the video. Um, no, if absolutely you guys not. are okay no. with that. So I don't know how much you know about our podcast, but we've been doing this for, I don't know, two years now? Very and, nearly two years. Yeah, and we're trying to get an episode out every second week, basically, so uh, try to have a schedule like that. And we tend to interview... This is in addition to your career as an artist, right? Sorry? I said this is in addition to your career as a well-known artist. Exactly. <laughs> oh, yeah. I've, actually, I've actually got Pear's um, um, sketch notes um, on one of my monitors at the moment when we're talking. It's, um, there you go. They're really good fun. They're fun. Yeah, we met uh, when you were, you were in Sweden uh, just before Christmas uh, on World Correct. Disability Day. Correct. And, and um, yeah. I'm, back in, uh, I'm back in Sweden on the 11th and 12th of April. Okay. For, right. for another event. I, um, oh, this, uh, I can't I, tell you what it is right now. Really? I don't have the calendar. In front of me. I think I know what it is. It's Agiro Peculiar. It could be. I could. don't know. Because <laughs> <laughs> that's, the, that's an event I'm attending on 11th it's and 12th. Uh, it, no, it's, it's, it's very difficult. I mean, uh, I'm doing this all the time. Um, yeah. Yeah, I'm, trying to, I'm trying to bank out the door. Um, yeah, I'm 
traveling you know four or five times a month to, to speak somewhere and um yeah. I, I literally get five requests a day to speak that you know all over the world and um i can't i can't fraction of yeah yeah so uh, no yeah that's completely understandable <laughs> okay <laughs> we won't take too much I mean, of your time <laughs> don't, don't, don't let me compl- yeah, i'm not complaining um yeah, it's just um <laughs> after a while it all blurs into uh, this one uh a crazy schedule, right? Yeah. Yeah. So so for those of our listeners who don't actually know you, uh, just a quick yep. introduction. You're, you're like the three times best-selling author of books about banking, Bank 2.0, uh, The Branch Today, Gone Tomorrow, and more recently, The Bank 3.0. And as you said, you travel the world all the time giving talks and doing consultancy work. And you, and you also founded and run the Movement Bank concept, which enables people to manage their money and pay with their phone like using a sticker and get financial feedback through their phone and so in many ways you're you're like the global expert on on retail banking innovation and uh, I think one of your core messages that you're trying to get across is that the gap between the banks and the consumers is is really growing and there are lots of opportunities for non-bank competitors to disrupt the business and I think mobile banking uh, comes across as really being the driving factor that's changing the context of banking. And uh, absolutely. So, and so, obviously, yeah, people the- are, people are going crazy about banking right now because you you you, you are in high demand. And why is everyone so yes. psyched about reinventing banking? So, look, I think um, you know, banking hasn't changed. Uh, um, you know, much in in hundreds of years. You know, so um, when you have a, a shift of this magnitude, um, then it's pretty significant. Um, I would I would like uh, the the disruption we're dealing with, um, the magnitude of what the the books and music industry has faced, um, and 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 like all these other industries who've been through this disruption. When initially confronted with us, with it, the uh, traditionalists say, "Oh well, no, we've been doing this for so many years, and nothing's really going to change." And then, when uh, when the change starts to become apparent, they're like, "Well, yeah, it might change some things, but it's not really going to change the fundamentals." And and so, by the time it actually has disrupted the uh, business significantly, um, you know, uh, many of the, the uh, traditional players in the business will will be very surprised at the the speed and impact of uh, of this shift, but it all comes back to one thing, which is, uh, as you pointed out earlier, which is changing consumer behaviour around their, you know, around banking, yeah. and um, also I think more significantly the change in in what we call our bank account and the change in what we call banking. Um, and I think this is again it's driven by uh, a customer behaviour, but. Um, you know, the bank account itself, um, you know, we are looking at the evolution of the bank account from passbook to checkbook, from checkbook to debit card, from debit card to smartphone, you know, and um, uh, that the shift, the, this is significant because it will be the first time in in, uh, in banking that we've not needed a physical artifact, um, a bank artifact, that is, uh, yeah, to do our banking. Uh, you know, uh, everyone's got a smartphone these days, so it makes a logical uh a logical tool to use for day-to-day payments and banking. You're right. It's, it's absolutely inevitable that the, um, that the 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 thing we carry with us all the time, that smartphone, will be the centre of 
of, of most oh, of the next um, next round of innovations, whether it's whether it's keys or um, or money or oh, everything we do, it'll be focused on the yeah. smartphone. I think also if you if you you know if you look at banking in respect to its its global influence, um, you know, well, sixty percent of the world's population uh, is unbanked right now today, um, according to the World Bank. And if you want to uh, include um, those individuals in the banking system, then you've either got to get them a bank account or get them using an artifact they already have to do their banking and so this makes sense that the uh, you know the phone will give access to basic banking basic money transfer capability uh, as it has in countries like M-Pesa and the Philippines and so forth um, you know the phone has really changed uh, the ability of un the unbanked population to um, you know get access to money to move money around the system in a, in a way that's never been possible before so you know, by the end of the decade um, when you think of your bank account it, it will uh, whether you're in uh, Kenya or in uh, um, you know Manila in the Philippines or whether in New York or London you will think of your phone as your bank account yeah. I actually I really like the example there was in um, um, from a number of African countries about um, how um, they they started to use um, mobile talk time top ups as as currency. Um, so they they'd actually uh, circumnavigated money completely and created their own money and was trading in them um, in top ups. Well, this is one of the challenges that we really don't know how it's going to play out. But when you abstract money, when it's no long, when you're no longer dealing with physical hard currency, and you know you're uh, you no longer um, you know dealing with physical artifacts with banking, it's all ones and zeros. It is possible that the, the nature of money and the nature of currency will be a little bit more fluid. Mm. Um, but but it, at the at the same time. The uh, you know, the, and this is what we've been working on with Movin is that the the phone also gives you a tighter connection to your your cash. And um, you know, what we realised, uh, particularly with things like credit card activities and so forth, is that uh, um, uh, you know, the, one of the results of um, the credit card revolution is that actually, you know, people were disconnected from their money. They you know, they didn't necessarily know how much money they had or how much money they were spending. They just had this card and can buy stuff at a store. Um, and if you if you think about it, actually, that's that's an inferior experience from a control perspective from what we had previously with a passbook where we'd go down the branch every uh, every week to get our passbook updated and you know they'd print the balance on the uh, on the page we know exactly how much money we had so um, and, and if you look at people's behavior today still still 60 to 80 percent of calls to a retail banking call center revolve around what's my account balance Right. So um, it, it's interesting to now think about, well, how does the phone change that mix from a behavior perspective? Mm -hmm. And and the simple fact is every time I'll use my phone to pay, I'll be able to see my balance before the transaction and then after the transaction. And then I can start to see the impact of each of those spending decisions. So this is really where we, you know, this is, this is the... Um, the outcome we've come to with Movin, where we've basically said this this is an enormous opportunity for awareness and control of your your financial health and your financial wellness that just isn't possible with plastic. 
Um, and ultimately, we think that context around around your money and around payments will be the the core driver to adoption of uh, of the mobile bank account versus um, and it's this is more than an any e wallet or internet banking on a mobile phone this is really a, a change in the way you uh, you connect with your money yeah mm-hmm. I like the way that you you say that you connect with your money because the I have a bank called Scandia Bank in, in Sweden and the app just recently released a, a function for me to be able to check my balance without logging in so I can actually just flick my finger yeah. uh, and, and it will show me my balance which is absolutely I, I do that several times a day just just to make sure they're all there <laughs> exactly I mean yeah. I, I've got the same bank as you yeah. and, yeah. and I, it's a feature that's so simple but everyone when they see it go oh my god that's incredible mm. and I've had, I've had friends that are almost willing yeah. to change bank yeah. just because of that one <laughs> tiny yeah. feature because it's so straightforward mm. and it delivers them so much value exactly you know, despite, it, despite it being mm. Banks have forgotten us our money, right? <laughs> mm. um, and I think this this connection with your money and the control factor over this this is going to be huge. Um, the big challenge for banks is this: is that once uh, your phone is your bank account, then and once the utility of your data experience is really heavily driven off of this device. And why do you need to go to a branch? Well, you know, you, you, don't, you don't need to go to a branch to get a debit card anymore. You don't need to go to a branch to, you shouldn't need to go to a branch to fill in an application form. Mm-hmm. Um, and once you have uh, context of your money and you're doing day-to-day banking and you, you need a solution, you're going to be more inclined to say, well, here, here we go. This is the center of my relationship with the bank. Now, you know, what can I do with it? Can you guys lend me money for a car or can I afford to buy this home or, um, you know, do I, need, do I need insurance on this trip I'm taking? So um, this really, I think, will be a, a, an incredible um, driver for changing the way we relate to our money and we relate to the banking system. And it comes back to, and this is why I chose the sort of subtitle for Bank 3.0, is that banking utility comes to the fore. It really becomes about what your bank can do for you, not where your bank is. And um, this is a significant shift. I mean, banks, uh, you know, in in terms of the physical bricks and mortar spaces, have been at the centre of banking now for seven, eight hundred years, you know, perhaps longer if you look back at the primitive economy in Assyria and places in Persia and so forth, but mm. you know, this is the first time we will disconnect banking from the physical bank, and um, it's going to be uh, extremely disruptive. Well, absolutely. I mean, can it, do you think that any of the do you think there's going to be many incumbent banks that will survive that kind of disruption? Because I mean, if you if you think of the upheaval, we're talking about tens, even hundreds of thousands of employees that won't be needed in the form they are, and like you say, branches as well. And for a company to go through that kind of transformation process, it's going to take them years to come out the other end with a, with a remodeled yeah. organization that can then pick up the pieces and go forward. Well, let me, let me answer it by looking at uh, some other industries who have been similar, through similar disruptions. So you look at the, uh, you look at the, uh, the you know, the Kodak, Film business. Yeah. You look at um, Blockbuster, Borders. Uh, you know the the uh, the record uh, stores. All of them have faced similar disruption, mm-hmm. and banks think they're different because they're in a regulated business. But yeah. I mean, the thing is that um, regulators don't regulate consumer behaviour. And if I uh, if I was a a book regulator, um, and I told you as a customer, 
that you had to buy your books through a store, um, then uh, you'd say, I'm sorry, that's just ludicrous. If I can download it, why would I, would I do that? And, and you would not have a chance of stopping consumer behaviour. In fact, if you look at the Recording Industry Association of America and other organisations like that, when Napster came along, these guys spent hundreds of millions of dollars trying to defend their traditional business models. And, um, you know, despite their legal successes, they still couldn't beat consumer behaviour. Yeah. And that's the biggest threat to the banks here, is it? And they, they sort of think, oh, it'll be okay. People still use branches. and mm. But mm. the reality is this is going to be massively disruptive. And I think, you know, I've said in the United States, um, you know, that uh, I, I would expect to see 40 to 50% of branches close over the next decade. And this will result in about a 30% consolidation of the number of uh, community banks and credit unions in the United States. Uh, this is going to be blood in the water. It's going to be extremely disruptive. Um, and we already see the early warning signs. Um, rapid reduction in in-branch transactional activity, um, reduction in all of the metrics in terms of product sales in-branch. You know, we, we see it all going south and there's nothing, there's nothing <laughs> that can be done to, to stop that um, trend, you know? Yeah. So, so the smart banks will either, you know, Get, close their branches now and get ahead of it, or or spin off a separate new bank which can start from scratch and get on with producing something good while the other one fades away and dies. So I think you know um, companies that succeed in 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 uh, in these scenarios do are the first to say this is going to change this is going to change uh, completely the business. We're better to cannibalise ourselves than let someone else do it. Exactly. You know, but um, the, there's another yeah, aspect to it, I guess, as well, is that banks in general have a really bad reputation. So I assume that people are going to go out of their way to avoid banks uh, if they can. I think, I think you're right to some extent, uh, although there is the trust factor mm. around the money. Mm -hmm. mm. True. You know, your, your, your money is, is, you know, you want to be absolutely sure that it's safe. So... I think there is a st still a, you know, you can develop trust in terms of utility of moving money around. PayPal has done it, mm -hmm. you know, so um, it's not impossible to build a, a new business that does what a bank does um, without being a bank uh, or, uh, you know, sort of changing the model. Um, and we're seeing a lot of experimentation in that uh, space. So, you know, you really see this new distribution layer emerging in places like um, um, the US and uh, and uh, you know, throughout Europe, uh, in the P2P lending space, for example, Zopa Lending Club, Prosper, you know, in the uh, in the small business funding space with you know Kickstarter crowdfunding, um, in the US with the basic bank account with the likes of Movin, Simple, Bluebird, and uh, GoBank. So you are starting to see this new distribution layer emerge on top of the old system, yeah. but it's based on you know um, simple, um, simple, efficient uh, models, uh, better, better consumer uh, customer experience, um, you know, uh, improvements in the in the delivery, uh, reduced cost of distribution, all of these things, which in themselves, if 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 successful on the medium term basis, will really render you know the current. Um, you know, in, in in particular, the current distribution model of banking obsolete. So, it won't be long before uh, a stock analyst somewhere says, "Hang on a second. If if Movin, uh, if Movin Bank is able to pull uh, customers without any branches and able to do it at a fraction of the cost of uh, Chase or mm. B of A, and they're mm. opening more branches, then um, hang on, something's wrong here because you know the cost of a branch." 
and the cost of staffing a branch annually and yeah. the return that they're going to be able to get from that compared with what these online businesses are doing or these digital businesses are doing, that this is wrong. So they're going to downgrade the stock based on branches. So I, I see that's absolutely inevitable in the next couple of years. Yeah. yeah. I've got a question about uh, Mover. How, um, what's, the, um, what's the ratio of um, kind of traditional banking um, resources to um, oh, digital resources that are that are, lo- that are looking at how to to develop the product and, and are creating the product. I mean, you, you must have a completely topsy turvy model compared to a traditional bank. Well, you know, I get asked this question a lot, and it's really interesting because we didn't get asked this question a year ago um, because uh-huh. uh, people are just sort of, uh, oh well, you know, we'll see, see how it goes. But now, uh, now we actually got a product in market. People are saying, well, and how many people have you got, and how could you do that? So, mm. uh, I was with uh, I was with a big uh, European bank uh, in December. And uh, they asked me, uh, "How big's your team?" So, you know, when when I look at the team that creates the the customer experience, um, um, there's nine or ten people in that team, and um, you know they are a they've built from the ground up um, the internet banking front end, the mobile ba- mobile experience, um, you know the, the gamification elements, um, you know all, all all of this, uh, you know, and and that would be a team of hundreds of people at a conventional uh, FI. Um, oh yeah, and then Absolutely. the rest is sort of. Ops- Ops and admin. Uh, you know, we have to do all the same compliance that um, a uh, a bank partner does. So we have to mirror that. So you know, we have that. We have to have compliance and risk. You know, and ops ops yeah. guys uh, focused mm. on that stuff. And then of course, um, you know, there's a few of us going out trying to raise money for the business and things like that. So, uh, but yeah, uh, you know, so you know, a, a team of around 20 people. You've got about half the team focused on on the customer experience, and within that team, we've got. Um, you know, we've got uh, strong data analytics guys. We've got a behavioural psychologist. Uh, it's the first time ever I've uh, I, oh, I, I've known of um, um, you know a psychologist on a banking you know, banking team. That's fantastic. Front end. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, that's really interesting. Yeah, yeah. So you know, it's. Um, and then, of course, we've got a great user experience team, including you know, um, interaction designers, uh, people doing ut- usability testing, and and the like. So, uh, as, you know, and, and a top, a top world class design team. So, you know, it's um, it's a different focus from the traditional bank, um, but then, um, you know, our our effort it doesn't have to. You know, one of the reasons we're partnering with banks who do the value store and the core banking stuff is that we can then focus purely on a great customer experience and great customer service rather than you know having to do the the uh, the stuff that doesn't really add much value to the customer experience right yeah but also that's what customers want they want to be able to choose the best of all of all worlds they want to they want to have like a mortgage vendor there and a, and a, a checking account vendor there and, and so on and put it all into one basket have you had a chance to hear about uh, Y Wallet in uh, Sweden? Uh, which no, is this, not me with Y Wallet. It's this joint venture with all the all the uh, mobile phone operators. So there's been new new ah, yes, yes, I, yeah. I there's have, a new I regulations around text messaging and paying through text mes- messages, and so they moved everything to a joint joint venture company. And uh, it's been so bad, and it's a big talking point in Sweden right now, that in fact the Red, the Red, Cross, uh, Red Cross donations via mobile have dropped. They've dropped 92%. Uh, and I know as well that the, um, the figure for um, um, buying um, SMS tickets for the travel system in Stockholm went 70%. Yeah. 
they they say it's to do with the regulation, um, but it's more I think down to the fact that the, the mobile operators themselves um, they knew they wouldn't probably make some of the compliance um, criteria to get their own banking license, but they created a new company to do it. But um, one one of the lessons of this one is they've they've taken something that was really really simple. You send an SMS to a short mm. code. And you made a payment, mm. and they've made it much more complicated. Yeah, it's, it's, speaking it's, about customer experience and the, yeah. your, your UX team there. So, so now they've they've the simplicity up, is absolutely key. Mm. Yeah, yeah, and I think Wildwell is just proving this to a you know to a point that you, know, that you destroy simplicity and you 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 just make the walls fall down and your your business model is going to crumble. So let me let me give you another example. Um, you know, we, we've all heard of M-Pesa and, and the great success that they've had in, in Kenya. Mm. So M-Pesa now has about 80 million people in the system, which is more than half the Kenyan population. And, um, you know, the banks have been around for, you know, 100 years or more. You know, they, at best, they could only get about, you know, 20% of the Kenyan population bank. So, you know, M-Pesa run by, you know, Safaricom Vodafone has been able to bank more of the population than the banking system in 100 years, and they've done it in six, right? So that, <laughs> that first of all, is significant. But secondly, when, when um, M-Pesa um, went to South Africa, uh, the regulator insisted that rather than have M-Pesa outlets that could do the cash-in and cash-out, that the cash-in and cash-out had to be done by bank employees, uh, right, this was the regulation, and so M-Pesa didn't work in South Africa. So there's another lesson for this: is if you really want to improve uh, the industry, then you have to be very careful about where you apply regulation, because um, if you apply regulation in order to protect the banking system, um, then you do that at the peril of providing a worse customer experience for customers. And that's what's happened in places like South Africa, and it sounds like what's happening uh, in Sweden as well. So yeah. the more you try to protect the existing status quo and or system, then the more you're going to um, create a situation where I have to do so many workarounds that the customer experience is, uh, is not going to be uh, better or simpler. Mm. Yeah. That's an excellent summarizing point for our listeners, I think. <laughs> uh, so, are, are you writing Bank 4.0 now? <laughs> so, um, I think my publisher has uh, said that um, the next book should probably be called something else. Yeah. But. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, I'll tell you the story about why I wrote Bank 3.0, I guess. Mm -hmm. Um, W.H. Smith, who uh, was in London, the publisher option, who optioned Bank 2.0, they, um, they asked me to uh, do a revised version of Bank 2 um, for paperback. And when I sat down and actually started uh, updating Bank 2.0, which was, uh, I finished Bank 2.0 on Christmas Day 2009, so it's a few years ago now, but so much has changed in the mobile space and in the social media space and so forth in just those last few years that I found that I had to rewrite about 80% of the book. And um, there's a lot of new things I want to talk about and a lot of stuff I got rid of. Um, some, there's a few things I kept in, but not uh, there's not a lot. Um, so, you know, this was, uh, at the end of it, was uh, I went back to them and said, look, 
because we were going to call it Bank 2.1 at one stage. Um, and then uh, I went back to them and said, guys, you know, this is, a, this is pretty much a new book. Um, if someone's read the first book, they're going to read this and they're going to find um, most of it's new. And so they said, um, well, let's call it Bank 3.0. So, um, um, you know, that's sort of the way the story went. But the next one I think I'll focus on maybe more around um, the revenue side of the business. Um, I might do an e-book on the uh, cha- challenge regulators are facing. Um, I've got a few ideas in the pipe and uh, looking at those. But right now the uh, the core focus is, of course, is getting uh, getting moving, ramped up and getting more customers in the door and just making sure that's successful. Nice. Yeah. Well, I think we'll wrap up there and let you get on with your work and take all those calls about making more talks all across the world. Uh, but thank you so much, Brett, for talking to us. It's been great. And uh, I hope, hope you You're have... welcome. And when you guys get your podcast up, let me know. I'll tweet it out to, Absolutely. Uh, and I will, to the audience. Absolutely. Excellent. <laughs> Th- thanks, thanks, guys. thanks again. Bye-bye. Thanks for joining us, Brett. See you. Bye-bye. Bye. Okay, wow. Uh, seems like he was sitting in a really noisy restaurant. I hope, uh, hope we can make, or you listeners can make out what he, what we, he was saying. Uh, the connection was pretty good, though. It wasn't too bad. Yeah. Um, it, was, it was lunchtime in, in California, or yeah. um, Santa Monica is where he was. Yeah. Um, and it's not lunchtime here, <laughs> as we said at the beginning. Yeah. Um, no, excellent um, conversation with um, with Brett. Um, I'm absolutely staggered by how many requests for interviews and talks and things he does. Yeah, what was day. it like five or six? He a says day? he got five requests a day um, <laughs> to do talks and um, and interviews and things. Wow. Um, so understandable that he blur. I mean, I oh, it's <laughs> I, I feel I feel for him. Um, but it's part of um, when you want to be that kind of um, global name and disruptor. Mm. Um, it's about momentum, isn't it? Right. Yeah. Um, and he's got to keep it up. Um, but I mean, oh, one one thing for me is, it, as as was well, you know, Per, but maybe not all the listeners know. I've I've done I've worked a fair few years of the last few years um, at a Swedish bank mm-hmm. in their digital department. Um, so I've been quite close to to the workings of of a European bank. Right. Um, and I'm and I'm also I'm an economist by education. Um, so it's, it's fascinating to, to talk to Brett and listen to it. Um, but one of my, one of my one of the things that amazes me or it fascinates me most about this is just that with Moven he is doing a bank he's doing bank like retail banking like things with only fifty percent traditional banking employees. Yeah. Now if we look at this on the scale of of, of say a Swedish bank, hmm. the people who are dealing with with a customer experience or user experience and, and developing that side of the uh, innovating that side of the bank you're not even talking maybe one percent of the bank of the banking's workforce maybe maybe if you push to include some more people maybe mm. you you'd maybe you get up to two percent um but then I'm, I'm probably including editors and you know content producers mm. a little bit uh, just understand the upheaval some of these banks have got to go through and mm. they've got to go through it right Oh, and of course, I love thousands of people who are doing the wrong job just now. You could say, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Again, a lot of a lot of uh, job uh, profiles or job descriptions are actually going to change a lot uh, over yeah. the next few years. Yeah, I love what he said about uh, having a behavioral scientist employed. That was excellent, uh, as well as a UX team. Yeah, 
Yeah, and yeah. game and gamification. And yeah. when he says gamification, I actually believe he means gamification, right. <laughs> not just kind of shiny badges you know, pushed into an app. Yeah, we need to post a, a link to our, our interview with uh, Jesper Bieland about gamification. Yeah, yeah, always good to do that. Yeah. That's, um, that's, a, that's great hearing Jesper going about gamification. Wow, I, I don't know. Did we, what did we learn today? We, think- we learned that banking has no choice. The, the banking has to adopt a, yeah. a, an experience-driven um, um, structure and attitude, um, and it's got to do it very quickly. Yeah. Um, I think there's some excellent... Um, if, you, if, you read, if you read Bank 3... I, I haven't read the whole of Bank 3.0, but I've, I've read the preview of it. I read, I read and, half uh, of it. Yeah, and there's some great stats in there. And, yeah. and one of the mind-boggling things is just how quickly we're not making transactions anymore in the in the traditional banking sense of, of needing to use a branch or needing to use a bank to do a cash um, or money transaction. We're doing stuff with mobiles and with, with digital um, transactions um, increasingly at an incredibly fast increasing rate. Mm. Now, Brett himself says, I think, in like 2015, just in a couple of years, two or three years, it's going to drop by, it could drop by half, I think he says in the, in, in the book, mm. which means we could be looking at most of the people who are currently working in retail banking are not going to be needed in three to five years. Right. right. So and anyone listening, know, anyone listening, you may start, <laughs> want to start looking for a job. Well, well, yeah. I mean, that, <laughs> Because it, it's, it's just going to be it's, it's, it's unavoidable, mm. and these are thousands of people who are working with something which is going to be extinct very quickly. And and I, I honestly <laughs> do believe him that he's right about this. And I mean, you have talked a lot about banking, and, and it is it is crazy because we yeah, and we, and when we talked, we thought we I, I wanted I tweeted about uh, disruptive uh, businesses in in the banking arena in Sweden. Mm. You you can't really find any yet, but as you're saying. Looking at the statistics, uh, things are going down fast for the big banks. Yeah, and I mean, stuff, that, stuff is going down. <laughs> when we had that conversation yeah. um, on Twitter, I uh, I said to you, I don't think anything's been disruptive yet. Yeah, uh, I think it's been business as usual until now. And this exactly. is exactly why I they're, said they're that. overly confident still. Yeah, and they still have their customers, but we haven't had banks yeah. going bust yet because. Um, because of this reason, we've had banks going mm. bust because they were crap at managing money and you know the financial crash yeah. two thousand eight. But we haven't had any going out of business yet because they're obsolete. What we're going to see, it looks like we're going to see in the next three to five years, are traditional incumbent banks being too big, too slow to move over to a to a experience and customer driven digital environment. Right. Um, and. I mean, I, the winners are going to be the the the, the lean and slim banks, um, or the the new startups. If any of them are going to survive at all, it's going to be they're going to you've got to start from scratch and build this up. Because I just can't see how these big financial institutions can push themselves through this kind of upheaval quick enough. Like I said <laughs> during the interview with, with with Brett, I mean, you and I have been through. I've, I've been at organisations when they've gone through reorganisations, you know, massive redundancies and and so on. And the time it takes for you to get back on track again after that kind of um, um, you know reorganisation and and mm. shake up, it takes a couple of years. Yeah. And what Brett's saying is. They don't have a couple of years. You've got you've got months starting from now, <laughs> so it's already too yeah. late. It's crazy. And he's making a bank with with twenty people. 
And, and the funny thing is, you're, you're wondering how many people realize this? How many people are aware of this and just are waiting for it to happen? And how many will it hit by surprise? I think it's from what Brett's saying there in the interview, he, he seems to believe that it's going to hit them by surprise. They're still, yeah. they're still believing they can do this. Um, and uh, the shareholders will eventually realize that they can't, and then the shareholders will jump ship. Mm. It'll be so much fun doing this uh, topic again in three years. <laughs> oh, God, yeah. Shall we book it now? Yes, absolutely. <laughs> I'll write a program note down first. Yeah. Same, same date. <laughs> yeah, March 7th. <laughs> yeah. 2000, what, should we say 15 or 16? <laughs> well, we can start with 15. Yeah, we'll do it. Okay, yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, it's a deal. Yeah. <laughs> but for us, for us as, as people working with, with digital and, and user experience and all the rest of it, um, what we're saying here is um, we are the future of the banking industry. Yeah. A retail banking. I've got to be careful there because banking is um, banking split up into so many different um, areas and they're they're not going to be disrupted disrupted in quite the same way. I mean, this is retail banking we're talking about, and and that's probably going to be the most visible and well um, far-reaching um, disruption because it will affect all of us. You know, we've all got smartphones. We're mm. all going to be doing banking via our, our you know, mobile devices or whatever these little devices we're carrying with us. Um, but we're, again, but we'll start probably see the same tendency as in other areas as well. It starts with the retail side on the private side, but mm. Since people are getting accustomed to uh, the interfaces and the interactions that they are met with and they they have that are fantastic, mm. uh, because all people are private individuals as well, they're going to expect that. Uh, so merchant banking will have to follow uh, uh, follow on after that. In some aspects, absolutely, mm. and, and same with private banking and the rest of it. Though um, they will have to follow suit. Um, I mean, private banking has already, from what I've understood, um, they've seen a, quite a bit of demand and pressure for, for um, being more digitally flashy. Mm. Um, it's um, no, the, the first um, the first areas of banks that don't, like, get hold of iPads and things seems right. to be the private banking part of the bank because yeah. they, they've got to show they've got to, they've got to show the bling. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so they're, they're starting to understand the disruption, but um, but like with so many incumbents, like Brett said, and we've seen with music industries, film industries, um, oh, so on, um, that they're they're just going to the management structures and the way that these companies these companies that are hundreds of years old, um, they've got so much baggage there and so much legacy stuff. Uh, yeah, that's their biggest pain point, I think. Yeah, because I mean, even if a handful of people are, are really pushing this uh, internally as well, I mean, it's not even possible. No, it's I mean, just, it, it's just a slow, slow to move these big, huge companies around. I mean, you've got to understand that um, a, a, a normal bank or traditional bank at the moment, they're they're handling millions of transactions a day through their existing systems. Yeah, you don't just press the pause button on that kind of machine. And 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 build something else. Mm. They're they're completely tied in to their existing um, infrastructure. Yeah, it's all like you have to rebuild a jumbo jet while it's flying with passengers in the air. It's, it's exactly right. Yeah. There. That's exactly what you've got to do. Yeah. And, they can't do it. <laughs> and they can't do it. No. God, we've been really pessimistic for the whole banking industry. Oh, yeah, it's not our fault. It's Brett's fault. <laughs> But it really makes you want to start a bank. We've talked about that as well. Oh, we have. <laughs> 
And what, what's what's inspiring there mm. is Brett did, and he's done it with twenty people. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> mm. And ha- half of those UXers, almost. <laughs> exactly. Well, no, it was. It was nine. So nine ten was his um, his customer experience and um, yeah. UX and developers. Um, yeah. And with that small team, I, I guess you'd call you could call them all UXs because they're going to be working closely together. Right. Um, that's absolutely excellent. Mm. Um, well, do you want? It to- means you and I have jobs at least uh, in the foreseeable <laughs> future. Yeah, but well, you could actually have a job just talking about this <laughs> foreseeable future, yeah. like Brett's doing. Um, exactly. There's, there's plenty to say about it, and plenty mm. to, to be fascinated about. Mm. Um, there was um, there was an excerpt from the um, from the book that I actually thought about reading out. Do you want me to read it? Out? Oh yeah, do that. That's a good it's, ending. It's reasonably yeah. it's reasonably long, and I might stumble over several times while reading it. But um, <laughs> um, this is this is from this is from Brett's um, um, Bank Three Point Zero. Um, I think it gives you a good insight into what's coming. Um, I want to be in control. And when I need it, I expect rapid and seamless delivery. Don't ask me to fill out an application form with all the same details you've already asked me four times in the past three years. I'm not here to work for you. You are here to work for me. Don't ask me to wait. I'm impatient. Don't dictate to me that I have to go to the branch to do this, because I now know that this is simply not necessary for a progressive financial service provider with the right systems in place. Understand me so that you will know what I need before I do. You're the experts. Tell me. When you recommend a solution to me, don't treat me like a novice. Be prepared for me to be well informed and know more about the alternatives than your staff. Tell me why you are recommending this product and how it fits my needs. Deliver to my criteria. I'm the customer. It's my total experience that matters. Amen. Amen. Fantastic. Mm, It is. Thanks for listening. Remember to keep moving. And see you on the other side. You've been listening to UX Podcasts with James Royal Lawson and Pear Axeboom. Visit uxpodcast.com for more episodes and to subscribe to the show. UX Podcast, moving the conversation beyond UX.